0: Great to be worshiping with you here today. Great to have an acoustic set, a little different sound today, and just having uh, a good time celebrating our God. Man, as we dive in today, we are in a series in marriage. We're walking through, and we're in our third week here, and uh, we've been walking through over the last several weeks trying to get the lay of the land, right? The first week just understanding what marriage even was, why it has value in scripture. We see it in Genesis chapter 2 at the very beginning with a man and woman coming together, and we see it at the very end of scripture, Revelation 19 as Christ and the church and the marriage overall. Man to understand the value of marriage, you've got to see how it bookends all of scripture and makes much of our king and all that he's doing for the church. And then we we live that out within our homes as we model them, right? And so last week, we then dove into what does it mean to begin to build a healthy oneness? And let's just throw the triangle up here that we've been uh, working off of, all right? So last week, we were looking at the spiritual. You build off the spiritual. That's your foundation, right? And so, yes, we come to trust Christ as Savior, we look for another who is also trusting Christ as Savior. That's where we're looking to form that strong marriage bond between two that are following after Christ. And then you dive into Scripture and it gets pretty clear of what that should start modeling look like in Ephesians chapter 5. And we make much of our Christ as we follow after him. Husbands, love your wives even as... Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And then wives, submit yourself to your husbands as uh, the Christ is also the head of the church. And so there's this mirroring that's going on between Christ and the church within the home. It is truly a spiritual moment that's being modeled. So we start with the spiritual. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the relational. We're going to talk through that a little bit. How do we get along? Seriously, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to figure that one out together, all right? How do we get along? And relational oneness. This isn't just sort of two different people getting along. This is a oneness starting to be celebrated. And then next week, we'll be looking at the physical oneness in the marriage. All these together. Now, the world takes this triangle and just turns it upside down. Start with the physical. Kick tires on that. If that works, maybe you move to the relational, start getting along a bit. If that works, then maybe you get into the spiritual moment with one another sometime downstream. And, and uh, everybody say, that's not the plan. <laughs> not the plan, man. And so spiritual first. If you weren't here last week, catch up with us. Get back on that in the last two weeks. And today we're going to be looking at relational oneness. So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25, we've got ushers coming forward and they've got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, they'll get one to you. We'll walk verse by verse through the end of this chapter here, all right? Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25. And uh, so how do we go about this relational oneness, and hear me now, so that God is honored in the midst of us doing it? Are you hearing that? This is not relational oneness where it's pragmatic. How can I get along so it just feels better? It's not that. It's so much more than that. It's, Lord, how can you be glorified as we begin to get along and relate well, as there's a oneness in our relationship? How do we go after it? So point number one here, be honest and genuine. Be honest and genuine. He starts out, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of, one of another. Therefore, when we see the therefore, we say, it's got a purpose, man. It's a connecting word and it's connecting us from the prior to the present. So whenever you see the word therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for? What's it connecting me to? And uh, so the prior verses, we're talking about new life, life in Christ And what that looks like and the work that He's done in us, but more than that, in the midst of Him doing that, some things that we should be putting off and some things we should be putting on. Literally, that word means clothe yourselves. Take off the old, ratty, nasty clothes and put on some good-looking new clothes. That's literally what it's saying and uh, using it as a metaphor. That's what's been going on in those verses right prior. It says, therefore, connecting word. So now he's going to start giving us some direction on some things to put off, take off like ratty old clothes, and some things to put on, all right? That's where we're headed. So in every one of these points we're going to go through, there's going to be a negative, get rid of that thing, man, and a positive, like put that on, and then a reason, all right? So that's what we're looking for, the negative, the positive, and the reason. We're going to see that roll out in every one of these sections. So here we go. First one. Uh, He says, therefore... Having put away falsehood, okay, so you hear the negative, like get rid of the lying, get rid of the deceit, get, get rid of the manipulation, get rid of the, I want you to think something even if it's not true, just so I'm in better stead with you. You hear that? Like I'm not interested in reality, I want you to just think something, done with that. We're not going to manipulate the mind of another, get rid of the lying and the Deceiving along the way. And in fact, here it says, having put it away. Okay, so it's already done in the past here. And why does he say that? Because in order to come to Christ, you've come to one recognition. Dude, this is not about me. I do not have my act together. I do need a Savior. I do not know where I'm headed with this thing. And my Christ does. And I'm leaning on Him. Down with self, Up with Savior. Man, that is a massive setting aside of the lie. Okay, most lying we go through is up with self. And he's like, come on, you've started with the down with self. Stay with it now, right? Having put away falsehood, that's the negative. Here comes the positive. He says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Let's make sure that we are telling what's real saying what's right. We're not twisting it, okay, right? All too often we get into the sin of omission as well, like I leave things off the table. I'm not going to tell them that because then they'll think this. And so I didn't lie. I just didn't tell them what they needed to know, right? And uh, that's a bad plan, okay? And actually that's not telling the truth. Telling the truth, it's making sure that the whole truth and nothing but the truth are being said. Where have we heard that before? In a court of law. Why is that important? Because you're making decisions that affect lives. And God's like, please make sure you live together like it's that serious. Like massive oneness coming together here, all right? And uh, now I just put this down about speaking the truth. Uh, that means the right words, right words, at the right time, Making sure you've got a timeliness to that, all right? There are times where we can bring up truth and it can infuriate the other party. And we actually were wrong for bringing it up. So it's not speak the truth always, no matter what, and regardless of what's going on, no matter what, right? And so all of a sudden you're like, simple example, maybe you're going out for a little walk. You're just gonna relax together as a couple. You're gonna, right? And then you look at the other party and you're like, you know, the bills are due tomorrow. Have you done anything with those? Okay, That's not a bet. It's truth. And it's good that we work this out together. But seriously, right now, like it's become an unenjoyable walk at the moment, right? And so let's plan things a little bit, be a little wise as to the when of the timing of the share, okay? And maybe it's when you're getting back and however you figure that thing out, but you figure out where the right timing is to bring it. I'm seeing so many couples looking at each other right now. And uh, so I'm just looking down. And uh, you can continue to look at each other and figure that out. So the right words, the right time, and uh, let me just say it this way. Make sure you seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, and then after that, then you go to being understood, all right? Uh, You really don't know if you know the truth until you've actually heard everything that you need to hear. So make sure you're listening well, and speaking the truth requires you to be a good listener as well. Um, seek first to understand, then to be understood. James 1.19 gives us some pretty good clarity on that. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. All right? And so sharing the truth is going to require a lot of listening and asking some good questions and working it out and and uh, just so you hear me on this, yes, we're working through marriage, you're going to find that every one of these relational principles is true with friends, with co-workers, with family members, with, with anyone and everyone you relate to, this is practical application, all right? So uh, let's make sure we really get this down. And uh, all right, reason, he says, yeah, put off the falsehood, put on the truth, why? Uh, for we are members one of another we are members one of another. Now, specifically here, Paul's talking to the church, and he's calling the whole church to this style of interaction, but it's a great model in the home. And he's like, hey, church, we're supposed to be one, man. God's creating a oneness in this body, and it's going to require truth shared. Let's interact well with each other. Let's care for each other. No more deceit. Down with keeping some of the information back so you can change what they're thinking. And uh, Let's just make sure we're being real along the way. Now, how much more in the marriage is there a oneness, right? We saw in Genesis 2 that the two become one flesh. And uh, this truth, this sharing, this interaction, this connecting, make sure that's going on. And uh, all right. So there was an experiment done. This is a number of years ago. True story here. Experiment going on. guy had uh, massive numbers of seizures taking place on a regular basis, and uh, there's just a ton of struggles that were going on with that. He had uh, an extreme form of epilepsy and really was completely not functional because of it. So what they decided to do was go in and try to calm the storm. They went between the two hemispheres of the brain and they separated the connectors between, okay? So that the left hemisphere could not talk to the right hemisphere. It stopped the storm immediately. All the grand mal seizures were done. All the epileptic responses were done. There was some side effects, As you might imagine, there were some side effects. So they ended up trying to test it, and this is what they found. If they put a wall up, right, so that the left eye was seeing one thing and the right eye was seeing another and there was a wall between, and they put something up in front of the left eye, which ended up being able to be visually seen and responded to, right? And for those of you who understand it, the right right brain controls the left side. So the right hemisphere is actually seeing this thing through the left eye, the problem is our communication networks are often on the left hemisphere. And so they'd say, tell me what you just saw. I couldn't come up with the word because something needed to come across to the other side in order for that hemisphere to get engaged in it. And so they could see things and recognize, but they could not communicate what they had just seen. The disconnect caused great problem. And it's this simple. Uh, when there is a lack of communication, that is two, not one. It's that simple. And uh, we just have to be very, very careful in our marriages, in our friendships, within this church. A lack of communication, a lack of being honest and real and working through things, that makes two, not one. That is a massive problem biblically. God is calling us to a oneness. We are modeling the king who is one, and we're modeling what he's doing in the church and in our homes. May God be glorified. So, it's time for us to work a little bit on communication, man. And time for us to figure out how not to hide things and make self look awesome when we already know self isn't that awesome. Right? And let's just be real about it. Come on, all of us know we need it. Just say, I need a savior. savior. And say, and everybody knows it. (laughs) Stop hiding, right? Let's just get real with some things and let's work it out. Okay. So, that's the first one. Be honest, be genuine. Second, be patient, keep current. Be patient and keep current. And uh, he says, uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Uh, Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, okay? And so the negative side, man, don't sin in your anger, The anger is this kind of, this position taken against something that has emotion attached to it, anger. And there's a frustration with and a disappointment with, but it's more than that. There's a wanting to come against it and anger. And we'll talk a little bit more about anger in just a second, okay? But it says, uh, do not sin in that. Do not sin. Like, don't let it go so far that you lose control. Your emotions are dictating where you're headed now and you're not watching what you're doing. You're hurting the other party or the situation, self-control has gone, tag the other person, that's where I'm at. And uh, let's not get there, right? And that's why I said be patient. So part of it is some self-control on it, and then also some timing on it, right? It says, uh, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, some of you may have heard this taught as, this is for real, man, like you have, you know, until the sun goes down. You have till sunset, and uh, that means you have a little longer to fight during the summer. (laughs) And if you live in Norway, then things are really cool. You can fight for like six months straight, because sun doesn't set there for so long. And see, that's not what this means, right? And this is more like a, let me just be clear here. Keep a short record. Get it resolved fast, okay? That's what's being said here. And let's be very careful with it and uh, make sure as quickly as possible. I'm just telling you, my wife and I, we had decided we will take this as literally as we can. And uh, so we're going to get it resolved when we have an issue with each other in our first couple of years of marriage. We're like, when we have an issue, we're going to get this thing fixed now, tonight, before we go to bed. And so that became the let's go to bed at 4 a.m. plan. Because the more exhausted you are, the more stupid you are in the things you say to one another, right? And there's all of a sudden this lack of care at two in the morning as we're resolving a problem and we're not resolving anything. We're throwing kerosene on the thing, right? And so be careful, be wise to that. I'm not saying that fixing it that day is a bad plan. That's a great plan if you've got the energy, the time, and it makes sense. Get after that, okay? Be really wise to as fast as you can resolving it. But if this is a moment where you are exhausted, wiped out, and it doesn't look like it's going to go well, have that conversation. But it goes like this. What would you think about managing this tomorrow together and setting a time to do that? Are you good with that? And both parties have to be able to say, no, I can live with this without it tearing me apart. And if one party's like, I'm sorry, it just has to be resolved. Now I'm freaking out. I can't handle what just went down then you're on for right then. You're going to handle this in that moment. And don't just push them off like, well, you should be like me. I'm so godly. I can wait for a day. And so I'm just going to judge you in that way now too. And uh, I'm going to go to bed and be good with my Lord. And uh, good luck with you and your temper. And uh, that's not what we're supposed to do. All right? And uh, like, let's spend a little time together and work this thing out and let's figure it out. And if we need to go that day, then we go that day. And if we need to wait for the next day or we can, then we do that. And uh, it was amazing how much release came into our home when we adjusted to allowing it to go to being able to talk about it the next day. That was like two years ago, three years ago, right? We weren't very good. We really drove on this just that day, that day, that day. Let's not question it. And it did cause a lot of problems along the way. So learn from us. And... uh, be able to move to the next if at all possible. If that makes sense, and you can get some rest on it. Now, if you've got the open time, do it. Go after it. Have I beat that dog well enough? That's we're done. All right. So now it says, uh, "Do not let the sun go down on your anger." Let's talk about this word anger for a minute. All right. It says, "Be angry." That's the positive side. It actually says, "Do that. Be angry. Don't sin." So there is a place and a time for us to possibly have it. Now let's be very careful. I want you to understand there are two different Greek words for the word anger that we use uh, in our English. All right, And so the one is a word that basically means sort of a long-standing emotional uh, upsetness against, like not good with something. It's sort of a holy upsetness. This would be the word you would see attached to like holy indignation, all right? This righteous indignation. I stand against that which stands against God. And you've sort of got this position against. It has a long-standing nature to it built in, all right? And uh, here's the irony of it. He uses that word, and then says, watch it, don't let the sun go down on that. Are you hearing it? He's like, be very careful with how long standing the long standing is, or it's gonna eat you up. All right, and he talks a little bit about that in just a sec. The other word for anger is a word that means explosive. In the moment, you're fine, and then you cap off. And then you're fine again. Fit of rage. Absolutely no control. That one's just always wrong, all right? And so down with the fit of rage, never that. Uh, carefully managing the I stand against something that stands against God. And let's not forget that we get answers like James one twenty, right? The anger of man, that sort of longstanding position against that we execute out. The anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Man, the longer you nurse made anger, the quicker you move into bitterness. You hearing me on that? The longer you nursemaid anger, the quicker you move into bitterness. And we'll talk about bitterness at the end of today. The longer you nursemaid anger, the quicker you move into bitterness. Be careful. That is not something you get to play with and hold on to with no penalty. Be careful. All right? Okay. Be angry and do not sin. Uh, let not the sun go down on your wrath. And then he says here why we should not do that. And give no opportunity to the devil. Do not give a foothold or an opportunity. Hey man, Satan is real. And he does know how to plague you. He does. And uh, he's been around for a long time and he's done a lot of studying of humanity. And he's fully aware of your weakness. And if he can get you to constantly brew and stew against something... He knows that over time he can move you to bitterness and he can separate a relationship, maybe within the church, maybe within your home, but he's going to take the oneness God's trying to work and he's going to rift it and separate and he's going to make that separation gnaw at you and it's going to cost you in the long run. He said, I'm just telling you that burning will give Satan a sensational option to step in and play you. Watch out resolve it quickly, and get her done. Okay? Clear enough? Clear enough? All right. This is such an easy one to manage. And if we don't, it costs us massively. So let's be careful with it. Uh, Burning anger. I'm just going to give you one illustration just to manage this. Uh, You're like, hey, want to have a, a fire tonight in the house? I mean, it's like, you know, what, 40 degrees outside? Like, hey, why don't we light a fire tonight? And, uh, and so your kid comes in and takes some wood and some kindling, sets it in the middle of the living room floor and starts lighting the kindling up. And you're like, what are you doing? And you're like, lighting a fire in the house. And you're like, we have places for that. We call them fireplaces. <laughs> right? Put the fire in there. Like very specific locations for fire, very specific ex- execution of it. On the stove, on a little spot, and only for so long, right? We manage fire in the home in a very careful way. Manage your anger the same. Right place, right amount, short periods of time, get it done and over. Or that house is coming down, man. You hear me? Okay, enough said. Simple question How are you doing with anger? How are you doing with managing that in your relationships? Are you fearing the feeling the bitterness burn, or are you setting it down well? Be wise on that. Number three, be hardworking. Be hardworking, and uh, so here we go. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Uh, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The negative, let the thief no longer steal. Uh, good relational oneness tip. Don't steal from them. Right? We're like, duh. Like, that's kind of obvious. And, uh, but just so we're clear, how often do we do that? Where we're in this mode where we're like, man, I really want some of that. And so we just take a little more for self and we leave a little less for them and we're just not quite sharing. And in fact, what we're doing is stealing a little bit along the way. And, uh, or maybe they come up with a great idea at work and, uh, and you're like, that's a wonderful idea. And so you go into the next room and you share the idea like it's your idea. And you're stealing credit along the way as you share and pontificate your unbelievable wisdom which really was just gleaned by sitting with the smart guy next to you and now sharing what he said and never giving him credit. And uh, man, giving credit for what you think and where you've heard it from is really a good plan. And uh, working within your home and you know, you're talking along with your spouse and, and they say something like, "You know, I'm thinking what we should do is maybe we should work on the bills by Friday or Saturday, right? Well Take this carrying it through from the walk that we were on, and now we've got the bill plan going after. Maybe we can work on it Friday or Saturday. We just let that hang for a little bit. We keep moving, and then we're like, you know what we should do? After we go out Thursday with friends, Friday or Saturday, we should work on those bills. What's the next thing you're going to hear? That's what I said, right? That's how you start creating infighting, is you're beginning to steal away even credit along the way instead of recognizing and uh, I'm just telling you, you have no idea how many of you are looking at each other while I'm talking. <laughs> I am no idea. And uh, as I'm chatting and I'm seeing the little... <laughs> Say it louder. They're missing it right now. And, uh, right? Hey, we're all in this together. And every one of us has something we need to be adjusting in our relational oneness attempts. All right. So be gleaning for yourself today, what do you need to go after? And uh, what needs to be changed, all right, in me, not in the one next to me or in my friend or in someone in the church I know, and in me, what am I changing in my relational oneness? And notice here it says, do not steal, and uh, pretty obvious, I think most of us here are not planning to knock off the local bank anytime soon, fair? And if you are, don't. There we are. Enough said on that. I think we've been applicable there. Okay, so it now says, let him labor. Let him labor. Okay, let him work. And uh, we're going to go off on a little soapbox now. And I'm just going to tell you listen up, teens, 20s, early 30s. Hear me now. There's something in your generation that says work is not cool. And I don't know what it is. And I'm good with you teaching me what it is. I would love to hear it sometime. But there is something that says work is a necessary evil. I'll work as little of it as I can, and I want maximum payoff for it. And I'm just telling you that's not God's design. Like, yeah, one, one applause. That's good. <laughs> I wasn't asking for applause, but that's all right. Uh, it means a lot, man. Hard work. It does mean a lot. And look, when God designed things in Genesis, he didn't design Adam with a beach chair <laughs> and kicking back. It's not that beach chairs are bad and the beaches are wrong. It's not. And relax well. But he designed him with work in mind. That was what he declared. Very good. So hear me on this. Yes, labor. Where? What's God calling you to? He's designed you for something, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, labor. There is something we're called to do, and I just want us all to get into it. And man, it's easy for us to get into the lazy streak or get into the entitlement mode. Everybody owes me. And uh, let's just get into this mode. God, what have you designed me for? What can I go after and deliver up? All right? And everybody hear me on that. This is a huge one for us to begin to embrace. And why do I say teens, 20s, and 30s? Because your culture is telling you something very opposite. The world is screaming into your ears. Slow it down, relax. Everybody should just get the same thing no matter what. It doesn't matter. And just be careful with that whisper, all right? It isn't right. It isn't from God. It isn't biblical. And it certainly isn't honoring what God's doing in you. He has made you an amazing handiwork. Literally, those words in Ephesians 2.10 say, you are poetry in motion. That's what it's saying. You are an amazing artwork. Put it on display for your God, all right? Let's labor well that God gets shown off. And um, it says, uh, let him labor, uh, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with another. Doing honest work with his own hands, All right, so can you hear it? This isn't just taking somebody else's honest work, but more than that, I'm just gonna say this word. I'm gonna throw it out here. Um, Listen to my whole sentence before you freak out, all right? Management, right, is not just so you don't have to work. Be careful about aspiring to be a manager so you can just get others to work and you don't have to work. If that's your game plan, you're missing it. Management should be hard work, in many ways, harder work, as you have to communicate vision and shape thought and keep people in play, and management is not the secret to the low work plan, okay? So this piece here is saying, make sure you're ready to work hard, and if you're managing, then you're working hard at managing, and be careful with all of that. May God be glorified in what you've been called to do, all right? From top-down positions What's God calling you to do? Enough said on that. It says, so that we may have something to share with someone in need. Purpose statement. So the negative, no stealing. The positive, work hard. Why? So that we can have something to share with the needs around us. Like our God who shares with us, may we share with those around us. All right? And so who's God revealing to you that's in need? And how might you be able to come alongside? Maybe it's with time. Maybe it's with more, with possessions or with money. Maybe it's something you can come alongside of your God with and make an impact with them. And uh, what is he saying for you to come alongside with and help with and to whom? And make sure you're willing to work hard for that to happen. I'm just telling you the world's view. Hey, I worked hard for that. That should be mine, right? And God's like, just so you know, here's the plan. I worked hard for that. God, where would you like that shared out? that's a celebration of your king at work in your life. He's a great giver. May we be great givers, all right? Huge, cheerful generosity. That's our God's heart. He lavishes it on us. Lord, please give me a cheerful, generous heart. May I see needs and run after caring for those needs. That's a huge call. Hard work. All right. So, uh, Many of us have had varieties of jobs and work, and uh, I actually worked at Arby's uh, when I was growing up in college, and actually just kind of post-college there, just finishing up. I love Arby's. I still go to Arby's when I can, and uh, so that's uh, a little advertisement for you there. You can think about Arby's for lunch today. (laughs) I worked at Arby's for uh, six days. (laughs) I worked there for six days. So I took the job, I was in school in the summer, I had to finish up, I was taking some chemistry classes and so I had a summer chemistry all morning and I took the job as a part-timer working afternoons and evenings and uh, it was all great and then the guy was like, hey, things are going well, I wanna move you to a different store and then you can go full-time. And I'm like, well, I, I took a part-time job, I, I have chemistry all summer, I can't do that. And he's like, you can't go full-time? And I'm like, uh-uh. And he's like, then I don't know if I have a job for you. So I got fired from Arby's, there you go. <laughs> And uh, I don't know how that happened. I was super clear on what was being given, and he was clear about him asking for part-time, but in the end, he wanted full-time, and so I ended up getting laid off. I will tell you, we had some fun around Arby's in the six days I was there. And uh, one of the fun things, this will make you never eat there again, but one of the fun things was standing next to the counter as you were running the cash register, and when no one was there, you would push off of the cash register without moving your feet and see who could slide the farthest (laughs) on the grease on the floor awesome. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's gross, isn't it? uh, But anyway, good food, though. Good food. Seriously. (laughs) So uh, you would be amazed, though, how often the guys pushing off of the counter and sliding would all of a sudden stop and come right back up to the register when the boss or the manager came back in, right? When it says work hard, it doesn't mean work hard when they're looking, it just means work hard. Heartily is to the Lord at all times. Doesn't matter who's watching, heartily is to the Lord all the time. And a labor with all you've got that your God may be glorified. Uh, yes, work hard. Yes, vacation hard. But make sure that you work hard along the way. All right? And uh, so, how are you doing on that? How's your attitude towards work? How's your attitude towards load? going after putting that down for your God. And I'm telling you, it goes like this. Not, I love this, I love this, I love this, when I really don't. It's not self-pump up. It's, God, you have me here for a reason. What is it? And I'm going to do this as well as I can as to you. All right? Make it a worship time as you go. All right. Number four, be purposeful and encouraging. Be purposeful and encouraging. Uh, starts out here. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All right? He says, do not use corrupting talk. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Corrupting, that's things that tear down. That's things that hurt That's things that destroy. That's things that focus on that which is not healthy, right? Corrupting talk, unwholesome talk, the words coming out of your mouth that in the end don't lead towards better worship. They lead towards tearing someone down or even tearing your God down and disrespecting along the way language used. That includes off-color jokes. That includes uh, swearing tearing it down, man. Just be careful. Are you an example of your God making an impact in your life? And be wise about that. And be wise what you choose. Make sure that you're actually doing the opposite, that you're building up. Isn't it amazing how often we do well at watching other people's words, but how poorly we do at watching our own and, uh, really be wise about building up as it fits the occasion. I just wrote this for building up. That means it strengthens. That means it encourages. That means it points to Christ at some level probably. And it some way gets towards worshiping him. And it doesn't mean that every moment you speak has to be Jesus talk. Okay? But it does mean that in some way there's a modeling and an honoring of you knowing your Christ in every word you say. Making sure that's real and going on. And uh, the negative. Down with that corrupting, ridiculous, I fit into the world so no one's going to make fun of me now. Talk. Down with that. And uh, how often we say what we're going to say strictly so that we get them to think what we want them to think. Instead of just being real. Be careful with that. All right. So... No corrupting talk. And then to the positive side, be good with building up as fits the occasion. That means in all kinds of times, be prepped for what you'd say. When someone has succeeded or when there's heartache or failure or disappointment or you're just in light chit chat or you're in some heavy doctrinal talk or whatever it might be that you're into. And uh, let's just take one for example, like somebody succeeded. Are you the guy that's like, hey, lucky job. And they're like, well, dude, I worked hard for it. I'm sure you did, man. Way to pump it out this time. Like, are you that kind of, you're digging the little sarcastic smart aleck jab. You're like, dude, I'm just joking with you. Is that where you are? But really in the end, what you're leaving them with is, oh, Oh, (laughs) hey, is that where you're leaving them? Be careful. This is a gut check for me as well. Humor. Man, Try to to study humor. That's a bizarre walk. What makes me laugh? Try to figure it out. And what makes others laugh? And why am I laughing at what I just laughed at? And uh, am I buying into the wrong thing? Am I thinking it's funny to tear down? Be careful. That's not humorous. That's ungodly. It's a rough moment, man. And let's be cautious. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, But I love sarcasm. I love sarcasm. I've actually heard it said in my home, sarcasm is a spiritual gift. I just haven't figured out where it says that yet. And uh, just be careful with all that, right? Because we do. We love sarcasm in our home, and we probably cross this line. Fair? A little. I cross this line. I'll say it that way. Then I'm off the hook, right? across crosses a two, but I won't say that. <laughs> All right. Where are we? I'm totally lost. All right. As fits the occasion. And uh, so, yeah, successes and heartaches and failures and disappointments and light talk. And, man, just be ready to give the right word in the right time, man. What do they need? Uh, just so you know, being able to say the right word is not you knowing about you. It's you knowing about them. You have to know what's going on in their life, and you have to know what they're going through to be able to be timely in helping build them up. You have to be a good student of what's going on in their life. You love them. That's how this is going to work out. And if you're just giving it a shot, you're going to find you're shooting a lot of words with not a lot of help in it, okay? And so uh, be careful with that. It says here, um, do not grieve... Oh, so that you may give grace to the hearer. And uh, why that? Because God's giving grace to you. Each and every moment of each and every day, grace poured out on you by your Lord and Savior. We don't deserve it. That's what grace means, right? Not deserved. And yet God pours it out. Undeserved gift. He's saying you could be that for someone else with your words. Undeserved gift. And then he goes one step further. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. Everybody say, I didn't deserve it. Grace. And he seals us. What's that mean? It guarantees. Man, this verse, amongst a couple of others, just lock up eternal security. I'm telling you, it's a letter written that says, I love you, your heart is changed, you are saved. Stick it in, close it down, put the wax on it, hammer it with the seal that says Holy Spirit, and release that thing, sealed, guaranteed by the sealer. The Holy Spirit guaranteeing salvation, that the redemption we are promised will happen eternal security, absolute assurance, my God giving me what I do not deserve. Now time for me to share that with some others. And how often do we turn around after receiving that and we're like, all right, now whoever deserves it, I'll give a little good to. And we start looking for those who've earned it instead of Lord, may I just lavish out like you lavished on me. Let's be wise and loving in that, all right? Share well. Okay, Um, so I was out on the beach a couple years ago, a number of years ago, and there was this dad and two kids, and they were building a sand castle. It's kind of rough sand. It wasn't the awesome sand you can build with, but they were building, and so they'd run down into the water, and they'd grab some sand out of the water with cups and bring it back because it's all wet, and they'd pour it on, and they were building up this castle. I mean, they were spending hours I went away for a break and came back, and they were still building it up, and they had gotten it up decent. It was looking pretty cool. I mean, it was a little wobbly with younger kids, but they were having fun. And then this kid was coming across, running, looking for a Frisbee in the air. And as he's reaching up, just watching the Frisbee, hits the thing, and just sand goes flying everywhere, catches the Frisbee. He's like, oh, dude, sorry. And then he goes on and throws the Frisbee. And the kids are devastated. And the dad and mom are looking at each other like, that's it? That's all you've got for me? With all I've done today? And, right, how often is that us with other people? Man, it is hard working through our life and working with our God and building things up that God might be glorified. And in one indiscreet moment where we aren't really watching. We run right through them and train wreck them with a bad word or a bad thought and wreck them where they stand. And we're like, oh, sorry, dude. And we move on. And we leave them to pick up the pieces. May we not be guilty of corrupting, damaging, not building up talk, but instead keeping your eyes peeled for those around you, loving on them with all you've got, Wise to what needs to happen so that they might be cared for. And all of God's people said, am telling you, man, that'll build oneness. Oneness in this body, oneness in your home, oneness. It'll be amazing what God does with you and through you as you look out for the people around you, purposeful and encouraging. Simple question, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with, Lord, may my eyes not be just on me, but on the people around me. What do they need? Help me care for them wisely. May God be glorified. All right? Last, be kind and forgiving. Be kind and forgiving. So he says here, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God um, in Christ forgave you. So let's just break these words down. Uh, putting away the negative, bitterness, that's that deep resentment inside, the I can't let you off the hook feeling. Though when you see them, your stomach flips, you're so upset with them, bitterness, all right? Poison you drink to try to hurt them, and it only kills you, bitterness. And uh, wrath, now this is that word, remember we talked about the two kinds of anger? This is the explosive fit of rage, this one here. He's like, set that aside, that massive, short-bursting fit of rage, none of that. And then he's also, anger, set that one aside, so you can see where his stance is on the be angry and sin not, right? Like, be careful with that fire, that'll burn your house down. And uh, anger, be very cautious with it. And uh, clamor, this is a word that literally means to burst out, screaming, yelling, Can't control my volume because of what's going on inside. All right? That's what it means. And uh, just so you know, if you clam up, you eventually will blow up. All right? Clam up is not the plan. And uh, we say it a lot in biblical counseling, but the absence of conflict is not peace. That is just quiet. Okay? Peace is actually getting it resolved. And uh, if you clam up, it will eventually blow up. And clamor does come out. So now we're right back to speak the truth. Be honest and be genuine. Get that worked out, okay? You will not be able to let it sit and have it work for long. And, uh, and then slander. This is where you're saying things that aren't even true about them. You just want them hurt, right? Slander. And then the last one is malice. I really, I, I'm willing to hurt them physically. I'm going to hurt them, right? Those are the things we need to be willing to put aside. And, and uh, things that shouldn't be coming out of us. Instead, be kind the positive. Be kind and tender-hearted. Uh, kind. Give what is needed. That's what kindness means. Recognizing what's needed and giving that. And a tender-hearted. You feel what they feel. You hurt with them. Okay. And uh, and then the last one here, forgiving one another. Let me just say this. Be very careful when you start into this game plan of I'm going to put these things off, and I'm going to take these things on. You will find that you have instantly en- entered the muscle it game. I'm going to fake it now. Here we go. Uh, I don't know what's going on inside of me, and I'm really angry with you, but now I'm going to just basically say that I'm not angry. And so I'm not going to explode, and I'm not going to, and I'm not going to, and you try to manage your way through, and all you're really doing is trying to put flesh on top of flesh to make it happen, and that doesn't work. So just imagine this. You take a bag, and you fill it with rose petals, okay? Okay. So you fill it up with rose petals, this fresh spring. You got the rose petals in there. You take a hammer and you hammer that bag until it finally breaks open. You're slamming the petals and the smell that comes out of there is roses, right? You smell rose petals. Now imagine I take that same bag and I fill it with garbage. And I let it sit in the sun for three to five days just baking. And then you take the same hammer and you pound down on that bag until it finally breaks open and you're pounding and you're pounding. The smell that comes out is... Garbage. The hammer is not the cause of the smell. What's inside is the cause of the smell. How often do we get hammered and the first thing we say when all this stuff comes out of us, the wrath and the anger and the clamor and the whatever, we're like, did you see what they did to me? Hammer talk. Do you see how they treated me? Hammer talk. Right? Do you understand how much they attacked me in front of everybody else when? Do you know what that took from me when? Hammer talk. Why is what's coming out of you that? Because that's what's in your heart. And out of your heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Be careful. We are excellent hammer talkers. It's time to become heart talkers. What's coming out of you is because of what's in you. Time to work on that. Lord, may you wrestle with this in me. I'm telling you now, you will not get your arms around that and change it yourself. That's what God has to change. You come to him with, Lord, this needs to go out of my heart. May you change this in me. I worship the God who has this in hand. I'm handing this to you. That's where the hope's at. Everybody hearing me? So we go to heart talk and then we let God have his way with, let's throw one last one up there. Let's throw the... Uh, forgiveness element up on the board. We've had this up before. I just want to make sure you've seen it. We won't go through all the stuff on the bottom, but just see the top. Bitter, forgiving, forgiven. You see that? Bitter, forgiving, forgiven. We talked about this with be forgiving back in the second week of February, I think it was. If you weren't there, get back to that message. We talked about this the whole time in the passage on it. If you were there and you can't remember, go back and listen again. This is a big deal. Forgiveness, three steps. It starts with bitterness. I got hurt, and I'm letting it sit in me, and I don't like it, and bitter. What fixes us and moves us to forgiving? By the way, that word forgiving, that's the word here in Ephesians 4 where it says be forgiving. It means live in a grace-based way. It's an ongoing position. What moves us from bitter to forgiving? coming before my Savior and saying, I understand what you've done to release me, and I'm in awe. Lord, because of what you've done for me on the cross, because of your forgiveness that you've offered me, I offer this hurt to you. It's a moment of vertical worship that takes you from bitter to forgiving. Don't kid yourself. You never move to forgiving from bitter by talking to the person that hurt you. Never. Never. You are absolutely in a worship moment. Is my God going to be worshiped or not? You move from bitter to forgiving as you celebrate your Savior and his work on the cross, as you offer your life up to him, even in the hurts that happened, forgiving. And then you move to forgive then. That's the next one. From Luke 17, verse 3, you move to that last word that says, as they come and repent, there is final restitution. It's all resolved. Okay, and that's, you know you were in forgiving when they come to you and they're like, hey, will you please forgive me? And you're like, absolutely. If they come and they're like, hey, will you please forgive me? And you're like, I need a minute. You were in bitterness mode and you hadn't let it go. Your job is to get to forgiving as fast as you can with your God, worshiping him. And then over time, you work that relationship out and you see if you can get it to forgive then, okay? That's the forgiveness plan. All right? Huge deal in your homes. It starts between you and your Savior. Every time you're hurt, every time something's done or said, you and your Lord and worshiping him. And Lord, please help me to release this. And I know I've done so much against you. And as I've now been forgiven much, may I forgive out. All right? And then we move in from forgiving to forgiven. So it says here in the end, even as God in Christ, for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You're released of sin because of your Savior. If you trust in him as king, I'm telling you, that should affect how you live. That's all he's saying. Let's put them all together now. One big statement. You have an amazing God. And his name is Jesus Christ. He has come in perfection. He has done for us what we do not deserve. And he has poured it on He is resolving to bring you home. He is loving on you. He is making one of this room. And he is making one in your home. That's your God. He is one. And he's making one. And our job now as we live with one another is to say, Lord, may I relationally care for those around me in a way that honors what you're doing in my life. May you rock my world And may I now share it outward saying, I'd love for you to know my Savior. Here's a little taste of him. And all of God's people said, relational oneness. Let's pray.